initiating download sequence. 10, Welcome to Scott Harold's SOS Radio Podcast. Starting now. 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 As baseball fans, we all rejoiced the other day when Major League Baseball finally announced the start of the new season next month. Thought we would invite Jim Morris to be on with us today at SWS Radio. Jim's story was actually portrayed in the Disney movie The Rookie back in 2002 and won an SB for Best Sports Movie that year. Jim also wrote a new book called Dream Makers. He's hanging out with us today. Good morning, Jim. Hey, Scott. How you doing? So at age 35, after a string of wild events and hard work, you found yourself on the mound as a relief pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. And this is wild because most people are thinking about retiring at age 35, and you're like, hey, I'm starting. I'm the rookie on the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing thing. And it's not anything that I ever even thought about, really, because I'm just trying to coach the kids the best I can. And because of another coach who had said some very negative things about them and they heard, I had to lay myself out there and go, if you guys do this, I'll try that. Because when I pushed them, they pushed back. And you know what? I got my dream that I've had since I was five at the age of 35 because of a group of teenagers. So you were coaching a baseball team, and you had played baseball obviously growing up, and there was some interest by scouts to sign you early on, but you decided you wanted to be a science teacher and up coaching baseball. And your students basically challenged you and said, oh, I will try out for the major leagues if we can win the championship, thinking, oh, yeah, that's never happened. And here's the story. Tell us about it. Absolutely. As I grew up, I wanted to play the Yankees, drafted me out of high school. My grandfather had ALS. I wanted to stay close to home. I went to a semester of junior college. Uh, Milwaukee Brewer Scouts saw me there in the fall of 1982. My grandfather passed away in November of 1982. So they still had a supplemental draft in January at that time. I signed over the next five and a half years, never getting past A ball, six surgeries. You're out of baseball. And Dr. Andrews is the last person. He goes, I can fix it and put you back on the field, but the decision is yours. What do you want to do? I said, it's time for me to grow up. I went home, went back to college, got a degree, got married, started a family, and I love coaching because every single day you walk into a classroom with kids or every single day you take the field with kids, you learn something new. And I think if you're not learning something new, you're not growing. And this group of kids, for some reason, they thought, Coach, we can't even hit you during batting practice. And I said, that's because you can't hit. And they're like, no, no, we think you can throw. And I'm like, no, no. I said, look, at 28, I had a surgery in which the doctor said, you'll never, ever pitch again, physically unable. 85% of your deltoid has gone out of your pitching shoulder, can't be done. And then we come up with this bet. And I'm like, well, I can embarrass myself. And you got to look at me at this time. Nine surgeries in, 260 pounds. I look like a scout, not a player. And the kids are like, coach, no, we think you can play. I said, your moms make fresh homemade tortillas every time I get on a bus. That is not a playing diet. That is a coaching diet. And and we get down to the championship. We're down by three runs in the last inning. And these kids score five runs or six runs. We win. It is one of the best sights I've ever seen in my life. And I thought they were celebrating for each other because this is an accomplishment that not even they thought they could accomplish. And then what happened was they get on the bus and they're like, we did our part, now it's your turn. Well, by the end of that season, these kids couldn't, I couldn't get them out. And I'm like, I cannot get high school kids out. How am I going to go? and throw to a major league scout, that is more embarrassing than I imagined. And they're like, coach, you got to do it. And so I found a tryout in my hometown of Brownwood, 
Howard Payne University. And I get there, and Doug Gassaway's about 70. He's like, what are you here for? He goes, how many kids do you bring? And I'm looking down at my three <laughs> kids, right? And I'm like, well, I brought these three. He goes, no, two try out. And I said, well, I brought me. Let me explain. And when I get done explaining it to him, he looks at me with this serious face, and he goes, son, why didn't you just shave your head like everybody else? And I said, where were you three months ago, man? He goes, I'll let you try out. You're going to try out last. Everybody else tried out. They ran. They threw. They hit. And then I take the mound. And the first pitch I throw is a great pitch. And when you're old and fat, you're like, that is a good pitch. And you look over his head, and he's shaking the radar gun. And I'm like, I don't even register on the radar gun. That is horrible. And then one radar gun turned into two, two turned into three. Then he looked at this kid who had already tried out, and he goes, hey, go grab a bat and get in the box. And this kid turns around, and he goes, you want me to get in there against that? And I thought, I'm either doing really bad or really good. I don't know what it is. And I get done. He meets me at the cars. I'm putting the kids back in. It's Texas. It's about 9,000 degrees in the summer. <laughs> so I turn the air on, put the kids in the car, and he goes, look, I remember you from Ranger Junior College, and you were a football star. Everybody wanted to make a picture out of I said, yes, sir. He said, back then you were tall and thin, and you threw 88 or 89. I said, yes, sir. He goes, I don't know what you've done since that time, aside from eat, but the first pitch you threw without warming up was 94. Everything after that went up to 98. Wow. And in my mind, I'm going, all right, as a man, you're like, you have a happy dance going on in your brain because you're like, I throw gas. <laughs> as an educator, you're going, I have been throwing 98 miles an hour at high school kids. I'm getting sued is what I'm getting. <laughs> We're talking with Jim, the rookie Morris, today at SWS Radio, and his story is actually in his new book, Dream Makers, but it's also about surrounding yourself with people. It's about surrounding yourself with the best to be your best, Jim. Absolutely, and one of the things I've learned a lot at 15 after watching my parents throw, hit, curse, and I was on the brunt of that. I got physically and verbally abused my whole life, told how sorry I was. I would never amount to anything. My father was absolutely horrible, which we have a lot of that in the country and in the world, and told I would never succeed, I thought, wow. But at 15, they did me the biggest favor they never knew they did for me. They moved me from their house in Florida to my grandparents' house in Brownwood. And when I walked into my grandparents' house at 15, when I could have fallen off the rails to the right or left really easily, they're like, not on our watch. I had two rules when I walked in to my grandparents' house. If you do it, own it. Own it, live up to it, and move on. And if you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said because the truth is a truth. It doesn't change. Those were my two rules. And so they taught me how to shake hands firmly, look people in the eye, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. Taught me how to treat people. And my grandfather's big thing was if you always treat people like you would want your grandmother treated, then you'll never have a problem. And my grandmother was our church secretary for 30 years. My grandfather had a menswear store in Brownwood, population 20,000 people. And people gravitated to my grandparents because they didn't scream, they didn't yell, they didn't curse. They just were great, fantastic people. And I watched them do things that nobody ever knew they did. Thanksgiving dinners for families that couldn't afford it. Christmas presents for families with kids that couldn't afford it paying a bill for somebody so they could keep their dream going on a little bit longer. And now get this, my grandparents were never rich, but they always found a way to give back. My grandfather had me take my grandmother on lunch dates once a week while I was in high school so I would know how to treat women, keep them inside away from traffic on the sidewalks, take their arm across the street, open car doors, restaurant doors, 
pull out chairs, fold out napkins. They wanted me to be a good man and a good human being. We're talking with Jim, the rookie Morris, today at SWS Radio. At age 35, after a string of all kinds of crazy events, and being at an age where most players were thinking about retiring, Jim Morris is when he found himself on the mound with the Tampa Bay Rays, playing professional baseball, that dream he had always had. And He was just telling the story a few minutes ago about how he was coaching a team and they didn't really have a whole lot going on and started. And he said, you know what, if you can win the national championship, I'll try out for the major leagues. And that's what happened. And the next thing you know, Dennis Quaid's playing you in the movie, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when Disney goes, we want to make a movie about you, what's going on in my mind is you are 35, you are old, you're fat, your hairline's receding, you're not making a comedy about me. And they're like, no, A-list actors are lined up to play you. And I'm like, I'm like anybody else. If I had a movie made about me, who would play me? And I'm like, John Candy's passed away. That's not going to work. They're like, no, Brad Pitt wants to play you. And I said, well, I'm listening. (laughs) Then they go, Matthew McConaughey. And they get to Jim Caviezel. And I met Jim Caviezel and his wife on a plane when they were on their way home in New York. And I was going to the Hall of Fame for a deal I had to do there. And he looks at me on the plane and he goes, I almost got to play you. And I look at him and I go, you are way too good looking to play me. And then, and then like two years later, he plays Jesus. And I thought, oh, I could have had Jesus play me. And we choose Dennis and Dennis Quaid. And he, what a great choice. He's from Texas. He's left-handed. But more than that, he and I became really quick and great friends. And we would film all day. And then he would go play in the bars at night in Austin with his band and I would go watch him play. And I don't know how he kept his schedule because I'm like, I am exhausted. And he's like, I'm just getting ready to go. And he would play golf. He would do the movie and he would play in the, with his band. And I'm like, you are the energizer bunny on steroids, dude. What are you doing? But he never stops. He just keeps going. And he wanted to get me right. He's doing something on the mound. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, the same thing you do. I said, I do not do that. And I get up on the mound, and he gives me the ball, and I, I do it. And I'm like, oh, I guess you know what you're doing. And we just became really good friends. He wrote the forward for this new book, and when I got it back, and here's the deal, Scott. When you have something happens to you, like physically and verbally abused when I grew up, and I thought, I don't want kids ever, ever, ever. And then when they put my son Hunter in my arms the first time, And this happens to men. I don't know why. When they put that first child in your arms, something happens to a man, and you discover, I do have emotions. There is water running out of my face. Where is that coming from? And all I could do is look at my son cry and go, who could ever touch a kid? And from then on, man, I didn't have three kids. I had five, so we've raised five. And it has just been such a blessing to still have Dennis in my life. And when I got that review back from him and the forward for the book, I cried because I thought I did not have any idea. I knew we were friends, but I had no idea that I meant that to him. So that was amazing. We're talking with Jim, the rookie Morris today at SWS Radio. Maybe you've seen the movie about his life, The Rookie. He was 35 years old, tried out for Major League Baseball. Dennis Quaid played him in the movie. But what was it like watching your own life story being played out on a motion picture, Jim? You want the truth? Yeah. (laughs) The first time that Disney called my wife, Sean, and I out to watch the movie was in Burbank. 
and it was a pre-cut. And so we go out, I sit down, I watch this three and a half hour movie. It's in black and white. There is no music. There are sound gas in it. And they get done. They turn around, they look at me and they're like, what'd you think? And I'm like, uh, two weeks later, literally two weeks later, I am in Nashville doing the national religious broadcasters convention. And I am there to talk to these guys after they watch the movie. And so I'm sitting up in the cinema with everybody and the movie plays. And I had to quit crying before I could go down and talk. I was blown away. And they did Disney and Dennis did such a great job. Uh, Mark Chiardi, one of my former roommates from minor league ball was a producer on it. And they just, it was incredible. And it was like reliving the whole thing. And so by the time we get to premiere time, I'm there with 21 Hall of Famers, all these Olympic people and other people. I have no idea who they are, but they're somebody because they got invited. We're in New York City, and I couldn't sit still during the movie because I was so antsy. It was just like, okay, okay, uh, I got to get up. I got to go to the bathroom. My wife's like, you do not have to go to the bathroom 12 times during a two-hour movie. <laughs> and, but I wanted to get up, and I wanted to kind of walk around and look at people while they were watching it so I could view them viewing the movie. And they were glued and they were fascinated and they did such a great job and they kept it as true to form as possible. And so I really appreciate that. That's why we went with them to begin with. And I couldn't be happier with it. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul said, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We're talking about surrounding yourself with the best people in order to be your best and win. We're talking with former Major League Baseball pitcher Jim Morris today at S-Wiss Radio. Maybe you saw the movie The Rookie that was made about his life. And Jim, there's that old saying that says you're a product of your environment. And You wanted to write a book about that. You've been coaching students in high school. and You've been a science teacher, Jim. What have you learned about influence, Jim? I've learned that my grandparents were absolutely correct when they said, you are who you surround yourself with. And they were the first dream makers in my life. For the first time in my life, they were cheering me on, not just on the sports field. They could care less about sports. You know, my grandfather would look at me and go, what are you going to do when you can't throw the ball hard anymore? I'm like, that will never happen. I am a teenager and I will throw hard as long as I want to. And then you get old and you're like, oh, I have to get up and go to the bathroom like four times a night and I cannot throw hard anymore. What happened? But they were the first positive, fantastic influencers I've had in my life, and for a reason. They taught me that people are worth what you tell them they're worth. And I don't know exactly what that means still even at 56, other than the fact that if you build people up, they will rise to the occasion. If you tear people down, they will live down to that occasion. And so I want positive people around me all the time because they're going to help make me better. They're going to lift me up. They're going to tell me what I can do and not what I can't do. And we can raise our expectations all we want, but if we don't have that good solid team around us and people as smart or smarter than we are building us up, we're not going to succeed because it doesn't matter who the negative people, and I call them dream killers in the book, who the negative people are, they want to see you fail. They've either tried to do something and they failed at it or they're too afraid to try. So if they can tear you down, they feel better about where it is they are. And so these people can be family members. They can be people who call themselves your friends. That's why I tell teenagers, be extremely careful who you have around you. Because if you got somebody going, you don't need to study for that test. You don't need to go to baseball practice. You don't need to do what you said you would do. That'll be there tomorrow. Well, it may not be. You may not get that second chance. 
But if you have people going, you can do this, you can succeed, you can rise, you believe that and it makes you push yourself a little bit farther than when you have people going, no, you can't do that. And so the dream makers are awesome because they want to see people succeed for no other reason than they want to see somebody else go farther than what they thought they could. And so my grandparents were the first ones. My professor in college was the second one because after my counselor told me I better be a ball player because I was too stupid to go to college, this (laughs) professor in anatomy and physiology in the first class I went back to school, he goes, you need to go to medical school after my first test. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm dumb. He goes, no, I just wrote an essay quest and your answers were better than the questions I wrote. And I'm like, Okay. He goes, no, you need to go to medical school. And I thought, wow, for the first time in my life, educationally, I'd been boosted. And then from then on, fly through college, start teaching and coaching. And when I get to Big Lake, those kids are my second and third group of dream makers because they taught me that if I'm going to teach something, I better be willing to do it. So it's not just talking the talk, it's walking the walk. Because kids pay a whole lot more attention to people who are doing and not saying we're talking about influence today with Jim, the rookie Morris on SOS Radio. Maybe you saw the movie about his life released back in 2002. It's called The Rookie that Disney put together. Dennis Quaid played Jim. But when you work hard for so many years playing baseball with that hope of making it to the major leagues, and it doesn't happen for you till you're 35 years old, Jim, and a lot of the pitchers are wrapping up their career at that time, and you're starting, and you're on the mound as the rookie on the team. And then the 21-year-olds and the 22-year-olds and the 18-year-olds that are coming in from the minor leagues are looking at you thinking you're one of the veterans, but you feel like the rookie. What did you learn about being part of a team when you were in Major League Baseball with the Tampa Bay Rays? I walk into a clubhouse at the ballpark in Arlington, my favorite ballpark in my home state for the first time in three months. I've been in the minor leagues for three months. First person I meet is Wade Boggs, who had just gotten his 3,000th hit like a week or two before, automatic Hall of Famer. And they've been hearing about this crazy science teacher for three months, and he walks into the locker room in Arlington. He walks up and he hugs me. He goes, man, that is the best story I've ever heard. And I look at him. I'm still a fan and a coach, right? I'm like, you're Wade Boggs. You eat chicken. And he just, he laughs at me and walks off. Roberto Hernandez, Fred McGriff came up and put his arm around me. He goes, man, I am so glad you're here. That is awesome. And they just accepted me because they knew if I was there to do a job, I could do it or I wouldn't be there. And so everything was positive. Now they still did the rookie hazing stuff, which is not allowed anymore because we don't talk about hazing, but they're like, but they would apologize first. They're like, you know what? We're sorry, but you're a rookie, and you got to do this. And so I was in charge of the candy bag and the bullpen, and I had to wear a dress from Anaheim, California, to New York City, and just different things. And they would apologize, and they'd take me out to eat or something, and everybody would laugh and giggle. And, but it was all in fun. It was all in zest. But it was a lot of fun being around people. And here's the deal. At 19, if a guy would have said, you're ready. I would have been this spoiled brat who would have taken everything for granted because you're a teenager still. You don't know what the world is about, but I failed. And I thank God went, you're not ready yet. And then I went back to school. I taught, I coached. And then when I did something for everybody but me, I think God came back and went, now you're ready. And he gave it to me at 35 and I didn't take it for granted. The producer on the movie, Mark, who played professional ball also told me, he goes, Don't miss anything. 
He goes, get there early, stay there late, talk to everybody you can. He goes, it goes by in the blink of an eye, so enjoy it. And so I did. I got there to the ballpark early every day, and I talked to people, and I stayed after the game, and I talked to all my friends in the, in the clubhouse. And what an amazing time to get around and see so many different ballparks when you love baseball and just see the love for baseball in our country and what it's meant to this country through our entire democracy. We're talking with Jim Morris on SOS Radio, and he actually has a new book. It's called Dream Makers. Surround yourself with the best to be your best. Thanks for sharing with us today. Absolutely, Scott. I would. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the SOS Radio podcast with Scott Harold. If this discussion encouraged you, feel free to share it with your friends on social media.